How do they see these sort of uh, warring political parties, the Republican and Democratic Party? How do they see this? How do they see the corruption, the lies and all that? And at the same time, want to make the world better. I mean, we would almost give them a pass if they just wanted to stay home and give up. But yet more and more, as I'm listening to these kids, they want to give it a try. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm Melissa Rao, and Bishop Wright and I are having a conversation based on Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. It's good to be with you, Bishop. Good to be with you. You shared an excerpt from Ms. Arabella Brown's sermon. Yeah. You know, other graduating seniors in the Diocese of Atlanta. And I have so many questions about that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I have to say, like, isn't, a, it, isn't it a, like a sweet, sweet thing when you're, our youth get it? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, awesome. Oh, my God. Well, l- let me just say, let me just say this. I've been, I've been doing For Faith, which is my, my sort of weekly devotional that gets sent out. been doing it 10 years now as a bishop in the diocese. And um, I have never before used a sermon from somebody, you know, other than Dr. King or some luminary or, or some sort of saint. Um, but I was there celebrating with our high school graduates, and I was so impressed with this young lady. And so this is the first time ever that we've done this. And what I loved about it was that it wasn't sort of, oh, the adults have given me this task, and I'm going to sort of rip, try to rip something off the top of my head about this. And but I mean, it was really thoughtful. And, you know, what I really want to underscore, if people get a chance to, to, to look at the text of this thing is, is that she has some understanding of the character of God that shows up in scripture. And, and that is where I think relationship comes from. She, this, is, this is the God who's portrayed in scripture. And she sees this God as friend as, as she goes off to college and wants us to remember that this God is friend, even in transitions for all of us. It was Fantastic. I, I know it. I know it. And our youth do this a lot. They surprise us. So can I just, I want to plug your four faith because I know some listeners don't read that and they just listen to the podcast. And I yeah. just feel like you're missing out friends if you're not reading four faith, <laughs> especially this week, because it really is great. Well, Bishop, you named the excerpt then filled. Can you unpack that a bit for us why you chose that word? Um, yeah, I mean, as I as I heard her talk, um, I, you know, I heard her just feel her imagination filled. I guess that's what I want to say. I want I, I hear her imagination filled with who God has been, and uh, that God has been with her through fellowship with other youngsters, with other young people. I see her. You know, I if you read it, she's talking about a God who fills her imagination and, and has filled her has filled her family uh, and her home. Um, I love that she doesn't soft pedal anything. She she recognizes that sometimes we feel lost and disoriented, and yet you know. So we know empty uh, is a, is a season sometimes with God, but then God comes back around uh, some kind of way, and we are filled with fellowship. So I mean, that's sort of where I was going with that. Um, you know, as you know, I try to pick one word in the meditation that sort of ends up being a bit of a clue to where we're going, but I uh, can't say enough uh, good about this young young woman. Uh, and, and let me just say also that, you know, there's a lot of young people who are in seminary, who are preparing to be priests, et cetera. 
And I, I think also what struck me too was is that she had retained, uh, even though she's a, a high school senior, she 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 has in her possession what so many people lose. It's like now I'm going to speak to you of God, you know, and sort of this, <laughs> you know, this sort of this intellectual thing to to try to legitimize the God talk. And she doesn't do this. It's as if she's saying, "Hey, let me tell you about a friend of mine that I've learned that you can depend on." I love that. I love that it's all about hope and love. Yeah. And yeah. Ar- Arabella admits that there will be hardship, just like you said, yeah. and that there's really nothing that can or should take hope away from us. Yet here's the thing, like there are a lot of people that I know and love, and I know you probably know and love who are feeling quite hopeless. Without and, a doubt. So do you have Without a message a for them? Well, I mean, I have a message. I mean, I am the steward of a message that lots of people are a steward of, and that is, is is that you know the Buffalo, uh, the city of Buffalo horrific event happens. Life has evil in it. Um, there are those who choose to use their strength and their bright minds to do harm to other people, but that doesn't disprove God. And so that's our hope. You know, I, I said in a in a sermon once. You know, the fact of winter does not disprove the fact of summer, right? And so uh, it just proves that God, you know, has found a way to sort of be involved with all the seasons of life. And so, you know, um, what Arabella's sermon uh, also calls to mind, for me at least, is that, you know, hope is this thing that we have to share with each other because I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm running a quart low, uh, you know, and some, sometimes I'm running a half a tank low. Um, and, uh, you know, this is this exchange that we have with one another, not that we fire platitudes at each other, but is there's this knowing, uh, you know, in the community of faith that said, Hey, I've been there. I know what that feels like, you know, despair for us, uh, might be a temptation, but it's not a real option for us. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no, there's, as long as God is alive, you know, there's no reason to despair. We can be tempted to it. I understand that. When you look at the news, uh, when the seasons of life are difficult, bad news from the doctor. I mean, a lot of people are really sort of fretting right now. They're looking at their finances and they're looking at inflation and they're looking at, you know, the uh, the marketplace and they're, you know, really tempted to just sort of fret and give up. And, uh, you know, hope comes along and taps us on the shoulder and says, okay, now that you've had a good cry, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still here. Well, amen to that. Thank God, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, Bishop, I it doesn't escape me that this message of hope and love is from a teen. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of Gen Z. And I'm curious if you have identified any markers of this youthful generation that might set them apart from others before them. You know, I don't, I don't, that's a ex what an excellent question. I don't know that I've seen any markers, but you know, I, you know, I'm a city boy, you know, I grew up uh, Mm -hmm. believing that trees, you know, belong in parks, you know, but, but as I've gone along in life, I've met a few farmers and they've shared their wisdom with me. And, and, you know, I understand this notion of a fallow time. And and that is when a, when a field has to be left alone for a little while. And sometimes I wonder in the church, if we haven't had a fallow season, in other words, you know, things just sort of didn't spring up and, uh, all the things we tried didn't nece- have tried didn't necessarily sort of uh, uh, take off, and we wondered if we've lost a whole generation of young people. But then there's this group comes back around who are trying to you know reach out to faith, reach out to God, reach out for one another, reach out for service, 
in their own way and in their own idiom. So not the ways in which the church sort of is wanting them to or inviting them to, but nevertheless sincerely saying there must be something better out there and they want to be a part of that. So when I hear people like this young lady and others who want to clean up the ocean or who want to go to law school because they want to make a difference, they could go for the money, but they've decided to go for the service Uh, When I see people who could go off into corporate America decide that they're going to go off into nonprofits so that they can fill bellies or get health care down into the cracks and crevices, it really, really encourages me. Um, And so I think that they are exactly what some of us older folks need, um, that they're dreaming these dreams and seeing these visions and sharing, you know, with us in their own way. Now, they're not going to be the church that we have been. And so some of us gray hair people have got to get over that, right? They're not going to sing the same hymns that we sang, right? But I think that they want to, they want to make Jesus known in their own way. And I think we should be okay with that. Amen. All right, friends, we'll be right back after a short break. First John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Beloved is a new series from the Office of Communications here in the Diocese of Atlanta. It's a story-sharing series of God's beloved. They're stories of love, belonging, and seeing God in the world. Sharitha's story is available now. You can read more and watch at episcopalatlanta.org forward slash beloved. You can keep up with four people on IG and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Uh, So Bishop, what are your thoughts about youth as leaders? And what's the Diocese of Atlanta doing to help its youth cultivate and nurture leadership qualities? I mean, I have to say, I'm just curious about you giving platform to graduates. So what's, what's that all about? Well, you know... Uh, and I've said it before, you know, one of my favorite gospel lessons is John 5. Jesus walks up to a guy who's been on his back for 38 years and says, basically, hey, man, what do you want? Um, and, and I think that that is the, one of the most important spiritual questions that any of us can, can grapple with. What do you want? And one of the things I want is to, in some way, make myself obsolete. Um, and, or, or another way to say that is, is that to use leadership so that it convenes and encourages other people to take leadership behavior take up leadership behavior. And so, so what I want by giving people platforms as the bishop and not, you know, taking the microphone at every three minutes is, is I want other people to, you know, get the, mic- the microphone and, and to try on this thing called leadership. I think, you know, our young people are really smart. They don't want to sit and watch. They don't want to, you know, they don't want the equivalent of sit down and shut up and you'll get your turn. They, they're walking around. They're born with, in some cases, a, a supercomputer in their back pocket. They have seven times as much information as we had when we were kids. Uh, doesn't mean they know everything, but they're further along uh, in, when it comes to just information. And so what I want to do is, is that I want to give them opportunities and experiences that will begin to crystallize for them a way to live, a way to live you know, where you are taking responsibility for the world and not just simply sitting you know, with your phone or your laptop critiquing the world. And so to give people, I mean, I could have sort of insisted, I'm going to preach to high school. The bishop has got something to say to you graduates. I would never do that. And when I go on a visitation to, you know, 
churches on, on any given Sunday, I try to do only what I have to do as the bishop. And so increasingly, I'm passing over to folks more and more and more to distribute communion, to read the gospel, to do various other things, previously you know, roles uh, exclusively for clergy. Because I think that when you give those kids those opportunities, they see themselves in that role a little better, a little clearer. And then they're never going to forget that time when the bishop said, no, man, you preach or you do this or you do that. And, and who knows, that may be there, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah said he got a glimpse uh, of God, you know, high and lifted up. Um, and who knows, maybe that's the work you and I are supposed to be doing now is giving these kids a glimpse at every turn. Um, we've got to get over ourselves, I do think. We, we've got to, we, we know we have something to add. So I'm not, I'm not saying we don't have anything to add. Certainly we do. And certainly information is not wisdom, right? So we, we have a role to play. But uh, we've got to let these folks try some things out. And I think the churches that do that are, are going to be making young people, uh, you know, uh, welcome in a way that they're not welcome everywhere. And they're going to, give, they're going to be giving them a, a glimpse of what leadership can, can look like. And they may take that up down the road. Um, so for me, it's always this notion of how do you pass the baton? How do you encourage? How do you develop this next generation? Uh, so... I love that. Well, all right. So this generation still has a tremendous amount of things stacked up against them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Their, their college debt will preclude many, if not most, from ever owning a home uh, because debt to income ratio is a thing. It's and a thing. They need to worry about the climate and what global warming will mean for their own children if they choose to have them. Um, and yet they, ha- they champion hope and love like a battle cry. Yeah. I wonder, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. And I, so I wonder if you have any ideas about what our older generations might learn from these wise ones? Well, you know, what can we learn? I, I, I think we can, we can maybe appreciate and get alongside them because we were young and optimistic once as well. And I, I think maybe one of the things we, we ought to take up as a spiritual discipline is not to sort of pour, you know, a, a, a jug of, uh, of cold water on their youthful uh, ignorance and, uh, and optimism, Right. I think so. That's our spiritual discipline for those of us who are a little older, which is equip them as much as we can, but realize they've got to learn. And how you how you learn is you get out there, you try and you stumble. So so that's one thing. So I want to be in the business of doing that, of giving kids more and more opportunities to try some stuff out. I think this is how it happens. Um, but I am encouraged by them as a general matter. I mean, uh, think about how hard it is to be hopeful when you're bombarded in a 24-hour news cycle with the stuff that we're bombarded with, how do they do that? How do they do that? See TikTok, see the worst of us, right? And Instagram. How do they see the worst of us again and again and again? How do they see the news? How do they see these sort of uh, warring political parties, the Republican and Democratic Party? How do they see this? How do they see the corruption, the lies and all that? And at the same time, want to make the world better. I mean, we would almost give them a pass if they just wanted to stay home and give up. But yet more and more, as I'm listening to these kids, they want to give it a try. They want to give it a try. I was, I was with a young group. You asked what we do in the Diocese of Atlanta. We started something called Steps to Lead, which was to get the conversation about leadership to a younger and younger group of kids. So we've taken Harvard uh, Kennedy School level curriculum uh, and, and put it and pitched it to you know high school graduates, 11th graders, 10th graders even in some cases. And get those ideas and those concepts to them as soon as we can, 
so that they can begin to sort of live that out at home and at school, at camp, wherever they find themselves. And so I'm always impressed. One kid we, we asked to, uh, uh, we joined, he joined this group called Steps to Lead. And uh, uh, he was talking to me about, he was off, going off to college and the college that he was going off to uh, was in a small town in Georgia that had a really, a pretty robust Ku Klux Klan uh, sort of group uh, in, in this college. And this kid happened to be a white kid, but he had a number of friends who were not white. And he just, he could not stand the division. And so his conversation to me was about how do I exert leadership in that context? Because he himself, out of his own gut, knows and, and knew that, you know, this thing about Jesus is to be bridge, right, is to rec recognize that we're all siblings. And so I was so impressed that this guy got the message from this training that he ought to go out and really try to run that experiment, you know, in the real world and when, with some degree of risk. Yeah, for uh, sure. And he would be that kid uh, that has black friends and also has uh, folks that he knows who are involved with the Klan and those hateful messages. And he was going to be sort of the bridge piece there. It's just amazing when you think about it. How long ago was this, Bishop? Oh, this was this is an example from a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, I mean, but there are updated versions of that. Uh, we've got other kids who are who were were shamed, for instance, because of learning difference. And now, uh, you know, based on the training and the, some of the conversations, they're now going back to, uh, you know, some hostile climates in their schools uh, for kids who have learning differences and trying to be those kids who create some space for some other kids who don't who don't have their voice just yet. Um, and what's been amazing is, is that some of those very same kids, uh, after sort of working with us, talking uh, with us now are pretty clear now they want to be teachers. So they want to go right back into sort of the crucible that has given them, you know, pain and suffering and, uh, and feelings of isolation. They want to go back now because they want to help somebody else. Right. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a club in Carrollton, for instance, um, one of our congregations out there where there's a gay straight alliance where our young people are trying to do this kind of bridge building work. And so. This is really just amazing. They have looked at the news. They've looked all around them. They realize where they don't want to go and who they don't want to be. They find some inspiration in Jesus and the people who talk about Jesus, and they want to try to take this stuff on. This is the only way the world is going to get better. This is that, you know, Jesus said, I send you out like, you know, sheep among wolves uh, to some degree. And that's what exactly is happening right now. These young people are saying, I see the odds. I see the danger. I have some sense of the risk but I got to try. Mm. Well, I have a bit of a skeptical, uh, a skeptical question though. I I'm sure you should. <laughs> I do. Well, I, I, it's really more about forming. It's, it's really more about like, if I were to hear Ms. Uh, Ms. Brown's sermon as the, the sermons I had for our three youth who are graduating from our own parish, uh, not so long ago preached, all of them preached fire. And you know what? Not a single one of them could tell you what the 10 commandments are. Right. Not a, I mean, they could give you an idea of what right. they are, but it's right. not like they've been formed in a Sunday school classroom their entire life and had parents, you know. And so I'm wondering then, how might we try to go about duplicating that and rather than getting caught up in all the minutia that actually doesn't really matter or has mattered in the past? Well, you know, you're asking a really, I think, a, a, an important question really is, is that, so what does formation look like for these young people going forward who are going to try to lead with love, right? Um, 
And is biblical literacy the same thing as adequate forming to do the work going forward? I think the answer is maybe. Um, You know, I'm not sure that a young person has to have a command of Deuteronomy to go out and try to love neighbor. I mean, this is why, what did Jesus say? I mean, he repeated the law, right? He's like, all the law and the prophets hang on these two things, right? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and neighbor itself. Hell, I think if, if we could just get that down into all of us, I mean, the world would automatically be, you know, measurably better, um, you know, with all due respect to Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all those other things, uh, which can be certainly, you know, strengthening. And they have been in my own personal life. So, you know, I'm, I, I think that um, if we could really get Matthew, Mark, Luke and John down into us, you know, the actual travels and words and teachings and example of Jesus, I think we'd all be a lot better off. I think if kids want to go forward and be teachers of the faith, I think there's some prerequisites that have to happen. But, you know, I would love if they just, I mean, think about the survey that was just taken recently where, you know, some 80 some odd percent of people recognize Jesus to be some sort of persuasive, enigmatic, compassionate leader someone, a moral authority, someone still to be reckoned with, right? That's, that's who they know Jesus to be. And so if, if we could just amplify that, I think we measurably change things, you know? Um, you know, Jesus, interestingly enough, is not really quoting scripture and beating people over the head with it as he makes his movement. As he, I mean, he, he's really interested in Isaiah. I mean, geez, that's his sort of go-to. That's on his top of his playlist, you know, but but he's not beating people over the heads with this stuff. You know, he's 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 lifting up the dignity of people. You know, he's talking about who God is and that God is love and what that looks like concretely day to day with people. I mean, if we can just do that and our young people get that, then we've done something right. Amen. You know, our youth, our youth aren't going to church uh, like like the generations past, but let me tell you, the spirit is alive and well yeah. in this generation. Yeah. Well, and maybe the last thing we, we should say around this too is, is that let us not underestimate how much music is getting into their heads and hearts. Now there's all kinds of music out there. Yeah, I get that. But you know, when I engage some of these young people, you know, there's the crazy messages. We get it. There's girls and drugs and cars and money and all that. It's always been around in one form or the other, right? But then, you know, you hear a lot of these kids who are actually thinking also about these other messages, right? About what is life? What does it mean to be generous? What's a good life? Um, uh, What is love? Um, You know, uh, do I belong? All these really important sort of, and so that ends up being also an aspect of their spiritual formation. You know, you know, as I've said, you know, in other places, you know, Bono, lead singer of U2 said that people give themselves to lyrics of songs like nothing before. And so even as I listen to my own kids quote back some stuff to me, I mean, uh, in, in one instance, my, my daughter was quoting me something that a singer had said that was actually scripture. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and she wasn't exactly aware. And I was very tempted to tell her that it was, uh, but I just left it alone because if she got, if she got the kernel of the truth of that thing, then that was good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Bishop, thanks so much for sharing. And listeners, thank you to listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.